23, a psalm of David. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy desire with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. Jehovah executeth righteous acts and judgments for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his doings unto the children of Israel. Jehovah is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us after our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward them that fear him. Let us pray. Gracious Lord in heaven we are, ever grateful for the opportunities you give us in this life and in our earth. Oh God, there's nothing good within us, but everything that's within us, our own very desire to hear that word comes from you, because we're no good. We have sent only straight away from you. And even times when we think of you and praise you, often we sin that way. But our forgiveness for us, that as we are sinners, you loved us. And so we love you back. Only because of love you've given us, we are able to come to you as big of sinners as we are. Forgive me, O Christ, for I sin against you always. But I know that was great and such is your love for me. Be willing to God as we hear that word. Open our ears to us here. Amen. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward them that fear him. A Psalm of David in the midst of this 103rd Psalm, we find this verse. So enlarged, so enlarged does the heart of the psalmist become with meditating on the long-suffering goodness of his Lord that language fails any longer to express those emotions, the emotions which rise within his breast. So vast, so glorious is the theme that it overpowers his mind even in reference to earthly things. There are thoughts which lie too deep for utterance, which labor for adequate expression. How much more will this be felt by the believer when the omniscient spirit himself has led his mind into the deep things of God? We've seen as we've been looking I trust I've seen and that we all have seen the reality of these expressions that I've just spoken of and how David seems to be 
I don't even know how to put it, uh, words fail, but uh, almost uh, floating on a cloud, and that's not, that's not nearly as powerful as I would express it, but he's, he's been lifted up by God the Holy Spirit to praise his God, to bless Jehovah from his soul, all that is within him, to bless Jehovah's holy name, the name of the great I am, Jehovah. The psalmists, and especially David, employ this word chesed 117 times. Just in the Psalms, 117 times. There are only 166 times in the Old Testament that it is used. And 117 of those occasions are in the Psalms. That amounts to more than 70% of its usage being made use of by David and the other psalmists. It is variously translated in differing versions of the Old Testament scriptures. Most commonly, as in the King James Version, it is translated mercy. And surely it is mercy, but it's so much more than just mercy. It is loving kindness. It is more than just mercy, and it's difficult to express what it entails, what it involves, what fills that word up to set God before us, to set his wonderful faithfulness, the faithfulness of his mercy, the infinite faithfulness of his mercy toward us through our Lord Jesus Christ and because of the love that he has for his people, the love that he has for us from before the foundation of the world, placing us in his son, his son being determined to come at the appointed time to come on earth and, and, and to become the God-man, joining himself with mankind in a great mystery of godliness. God manifest in the flesh, the God-man. And in this infinity of time, when these arrangements were made, Christ accepted the position of being the one that would come. And in the Psalms, he, he utters those words in his pre-incarnate state. When he says, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is upon my heart. And so he comes, and the Psalms are just filled with expressions of the loving kindness of Jehovah, the loving kindness of our God, our Lord, our Father in heaven. Beyond, beyond description, and yet David is, is enraptured so much in this particular psalm that he seems to be able to express it perhaps better in this place than any other. The glory of God, the wonder that is God, the wonder that is Jehovah, the wonder of the privilege of blessing him, seeking to please him and bless him in all our ways. The expressions just roll off his thoughts, as it were, and just tumble down unto us in this psalm, causing us to marvel ourselves at the goodness of our God and reflect upon the goodness of our God 
it has been our privilege to receive because of the love that he has for us through his mercy and grace in Jesus Christ. God, the Holy Spirit himself, taking it upon himself to regenerate our hearts at the absolute perfect appointed time, the time that God ordained that we would have our hearts regenerated. God, the Holy Spirit falls upon us, arrests us, convinces us, convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come, makes us willing in the day of his power to come unto God through Jesus Christ, gives us the precious gifts of repentance and faith, two sides of the same coin. And so we come, and so we are coming, and we continue to come by his grace, always by his grace, through his mercy and love. It is fine to translate it mercy. That's what it is. But as I said, it, it's so much more. The language tool, Wilson's uh, Hebrew dictionary, adds some help, saying of chesed, these following words, that which is abundant, extraordinary, or uncommon, goodness, kindness, and beneficence, grace, favor, mercy, and in Isaiah, where it's employed in 55.3, the sure mercies of David. The mercies promised to David by his Lord, by Jehovah, his God, promised in 2 Samuel 7 to David that his house would continue forever, that his son would sit upon his throne, of course, speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David, the Son of Man, the Redeemer of mankind through his blood, the glorious loving kindness involved in all that. It's really virtually impossible to express in one single word, <clears throat> but abundant, extraordinary, uncommon goodness, kindness, beneficence, grace, favor, mercy, helps. It's all of those things. The wonder that is the loving kindness of God to his people. The wonder that is God to his people through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some other options are set forward that are perhaps more explanatory, not more beautiful, but perhaps giving us some additional help, some other options for loving kindness, such as steadfast love. And that speaks of that infinite faithfulness of God that I've mentioned. Steadfast love, a love that's been promised, a love that continues, a love that will last infinitely. We can't wrap our minds or our hearts around that, around the infinity of the love of God for his people. The love of God <clears throat> for his son, and yet he sent his son into the world to redeem his people. How great is his love for us in his faithfulness 
in accomplishing his determination regarding our redemption, bringing us to himself when we were totally unwilling to come apart from that grace being granted, totally unwilling, refusing him, resisting him, fighting against him, despising him, despising his people, his church, his name. Perhaps some of you were blessed additionally with the privilege of coming to the Lord through Jesus Christ at a young age and not having to experience much of the, the commonality of life apart from Christ that's in this world. But loving kindness is steadfast love, a love that won't quit, a love that won't give up, a love that will never yield, a love that cannot be stayed, a love that cannot be thwarted, a love that will not be thwarted, steadfast love, covenant love. We already mentioned that covenant with David that David refers to frequently, even in the Psalms. But the covenant that he made with his own son, Jesus Christ, the covenant that he made with the second person of the Trinity, the covenant that he made for his people through Jesus Christ, that covenant love that will never fail, that covenant love that will produce exactly what has been determined, predestinated to accomplish for the glory of God, for his glory, bringing in his children, his chosen back unto himself, those that sinned in Adam. And when they came to life themselves on earth, sinned often, often and continually against him, not loving his law, not loving his word, not loving his people, not loving his son, but now they do through that manifestation of loving kindness that God has showered upon us. Steadfast love, covenant love, promised love in other words. God promised in covenant form. He promised in Ezekiel, he promised in Jeremiah that his people would receive new hearts with his law written upon them. And he has provided that and is providing it for those whom he has set apart unto himself to bring back to himself, to reconcile through the blood of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Steadfast love, covenant love, promised love, covenanted and carried out, enduring commitment, enduring commitment. It's hard, it's hard to conceive of that infinite endurance, that infinite commitment, but enduring commitment to all that he has said, to all that he is, to all that he has determined to do, to all that he sent his prophets to proclaim by way of promises, to all that he sent his apostles to proclaim of the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious and wonderful promises 
in his willingness to lay down his life in order to ratify the covenant that God made. To ratify it in his own blood. Sometime in eternity, perhaps, we'll be able to understand a little bit of some of these things that are involved in the loving kindness, the sure mercies of David, such as these things, steadfast, covenant, love, enduring commitment. Have you ever <clears throat> wondered about Psalm 136? Psalm 136. Sadly, we hear complaints about it. Sadly, <clears throat> people have abbreviated it, have, have uh, choked it down, if you will. I remember, seeing, I remember seeing a rendition of the scriptures. I don't know what else to call it without being too unkind. But, the, but they stated all these things that we see the psalmist declaring thanksgiving unto God for, give thanks unto Jehovah for he is good. And he, and he rolls out these 26, these 26 causes, reasons, grounds to thank God for his mercy and grace to, to us. Not only just to us, but to the entire world. They don't realize that they don't thank God. They don't recognize that they're Breath that's in their nostrils is a gift from God. But the psalmist gives thanks for all these things. And after each one of these items that he gives thanks unto God for, he says, for his loving kindness endureth forever. 26 times. And somebody had the brazenness to just cut it down and list the 26 things and then have one only one time after those things were listed do they say for his loving kindness endureth forever. That's not what God the Holy Spirit put upon the heart and mind and pen of the psalmist to give us. Each of these wonders of thanksgiving and praise he utters for his loving kindness endureth forever. Do we ever get tired of it like these translators evidently did? For his loving kindness endureth forever. For his loving kindness endureth forever. I believe we'll be singing that in eternity. You don't expect to get tired of it, do you? For his loving kindness endureth forever. The wonder it is a forgiving God, a redeeming God, a reconciling God, a God willing to give his own son. I don't understand, and I don't think anyone does, what we read <clears throat> in the Proverbs about Christ, what most of us believe is pre-incarnate Christ in the bosom of his Father, enjoying him always, always in the bosom of his Father. And yet he was willing to leave that bosom for us. God was willing to let him go. I don't understand the Trinity. I don't pretend to. But he was willing to separate in some way for a time in order to reconcile his chosen unto himself through his son, through the blood of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, God forgive us if we've ever taken God's loving kindness for granted. Yeah. <sighs>
The word hesed, as I've intimated, has been used in this Psalm 136 as a conclusion to each one of the 26 verses. It is almost an echo to each of the 26 reasons that the psalmist cites here for God's people to render unto him thanksgiving. It's almost like we're bouncing it off the wall, resounding. Resounding. For his loving kindness endureth forever. We shout out the thanksgiving and praise and it bounces back for his loving kindness endureth forever. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his chesed, his loving kindness toward them that fear him. Great is his steadfast love to them. Great is his covenant love to them. Great is his enduring commitment to them. We don't know what steadfast love is apart from God. We don't receive it. We don't give it. We may try. We may do wonderfully well sometimes. We try to return love to God in our praise on the Lord's Day and, and throughout the days of the week in our homes and so on. But God's steadfast love continues. His enduring commitment. Hopefully, I pray that we, each of us, know something of what it is to have made an enduring commitment to God, to the triune God. Enduring commitment to the Father, enduring commitment to the Son, enduring commitment to God, the Holy Spirit. How can he even tolerate indwelling these vile temples and witnessing our behavior so many times? How we must grieve him. David was the author, and we confidently assert the singer of this 103rd Psalm. Charles Spurgeon has given his own view of the authorship of Psalm 103 when he wrote the following. He says, a Psalm of David, doubtless by David, it is in his own style when at its best, and we should attribute it to his later years when he had a higher sense of the preciousness of pardon because of a keener sense of sin than in his younger days. Very likely Spurgeon hit the nail on the head. Every year of life that the Lord gives us, we add, we add to the reasons for thanksgiving to him. Unhappily, we add the numbers of our sins that must be covered by his loving kindness. Spurgeon seems here to have well addressed the personality of the shepherd king, David, with his spontaneous effusions of untethered emotion, his love of his God, his joy at being one of his. Oh, that we could imitate the psalmist in this psalm, on occasions at least, 
Oh, that we might be able to do it eternally one time in that great day. Thanking God for not breaking his covenant with us. Thanking God for his enduring commitment. And the knowledge, the precious knowledge that he has given to us in his word. <coughs> and his commitment is an enduring commitment. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That commitment will never change. It's enduring because he's enduring and because he's eternally faithful. He is the great faithful one. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, began this psalm. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. <coughs> Excuse me. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness. Is there anything left out of that? Does he leave anything out? Has he not recalled everything? Embraced everything that God has done for him? And he's trying from this depths. Oh, my soul, bless Jehovah, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless his name. Seek to magnify his name. Seek to magnify his grace by your conversation, by your lives, by your behavior. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life, who crowneth thee. With hesed, loving kindness. When the love of God is shed abroad by the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. That we are children of God. A longing is awakened within us, is it not? Have we experienced that? I trust that we have. I wish we'd experience it more often. When the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. When the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That that longing for communion with God, that longing to, to respond, to react, to imitate David in this lovely, blessed psalm. When it would boil up in us and come to fruition in our language and in our cries of thanksgiving and praise. Well, may we imagine David feeling the depths of that which was written later in Zephaniah. When Zephaniah the prophet penned these words, Jehovah thy God in the midst of thee. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. God will rejoice over us with joy. Have you read that before? Jehovah thy God is in the midst of me. I've read that before. It's wonderful. A mighty one who will save and has saved and will save and continues to save. Through that enduring commitment. But listen, he will rejoice over thee with joy. Is Zephaniah right? Is he talking about God, our Father, 
our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, our King. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. Because of us, he will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. God will joy over us with singing. It's hard to take in all of that, isn't it? And there it is in the blessed word of God for us. There it is. And I think Peter captured some of that in one of his epistles. In the first epistle, I believe it is. Captured something of that that we just read from, from Zephaniah. When he wrote that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold that perisheth, though it is proved by fire, may be found unto praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This should be our response to what we just read in Zephaniah of God rejoicing over us, God singing with joy over us. That we may be found unto praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom not having seen, ye love. Not having seen, ye love. On whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice greatly with joy unspeakable and full of glory. God singing over us, rejoicing over us, and we in turn singing back to him as it were, rejoicing greatly with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, that will be glory. Will it not? David has used the word loving kindness chesed four times in this psalm alone. And as I've already mentioned, this is the same word found in Isaiah. 55.3 was a really special relationship to David himself when he says, through I say, incline your ear and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. God's speaking to us. Incline your ear, come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. What David is he talking about there? I would suggest with great confidence that he's talking about the greater son of David, our Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage, we witness the connection between chesed and the everlasting covenant. Whether that be a reference to the covenant with the greater son of David or with David himself, it's an everlasting covenant the sure mercies of David. And here it pleased the translators to bring Hesed closer to the idea, I believe, of steadfast or covenant love. The sure mercies of David, that everlasting covenant. When the sweet psalmist of Israel observes the heavens above, when he observes those heavens above, his heart is inflamed. To respond with language from within as though he were saying, this is the reason why the Lord 
shows such marvelous long-suffering toward me. Why? Why is it that the Lord shows such incredibly long-suffering toward me? Why has he continued with this marvelous long-suffering? Because his long-suffering is utterly inexhaustible. David's praising his God because his long-suffering, his loving-kindness is utterly inexhaustible, without end and immeasurable as the expanse of the heavens. As the expanse of the heavens. For as the heavens are high above the earth. How high is that? How high above the earth are the heavens? He says, as the heavens are high above the earth, so great. That's how high his loving kindness is toward us. The fury of He may have had reflections upon the experience of his ancestor Abraham that's recorded for us in Genesis 15. You will recall, I'm sure, that account, another covenanting of God with a, one of his people. We read, after these things, the word of Jehovah came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, O Lord Jehovah, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And he that shall be a possessor of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of Jehovah came unto him, saying, This man shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. He's giving him a promise, a covenant promise. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heavens. Look up toward the heavens, Abram. And number the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in Jehovah. And he reckoned it to him for righteousness. Jehovah, after this, gave Abram that covenant promise, that absolutely faithful, enduring commitment through that steadfast love, that chesed, that loving kindness, that covenant love. He gave him that promise. And I say that it is in our psalm as though David reflecting on Connection between the heavens and the covenant promise wrote these words in Psalm 103. Look to the heavens and see. Look up to the heavens and see, David says, an emblem of the immeasurable loving kindness of Jehovah. Shalom. I am your peace. David wrote again, most poignantly again, of these heavens in the eighth psalm, when he said, when I consider the heavens, what is man that thou art mindful of him? But in this psalm, he's expressing again his amazement, but it's in retrospect that God has granted his loving kindness to him. When I consider the heavens, what is man that thou art mindful of him, Jehovah? How excellent is thy name in all the earth. So great is thy loving kindness, we could add, 
from our Psalm 103. So great is thy loving kindness toward them that fear thee. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is thy loving kindness. We must speak <clears throat> of David's limiting this great loving kindness. How? How has he limited it in this verse? This great enduring commitment, this covenant love, this marvelous love. How has he limited it? It's limited to those that fear him, David says. Isn't that part of the covenant promise that God has given his people? I will put my fear in thy heart. I will put my fear in thy heart. What he demands, he gives. He demands that we fear him. He gives that fear. He puts it into our hearts. He has declared, David has, that as the heavens are high above the earth, so is God's loving kindness. But it is limited to those that fear him. Another way of saying it's limited to those whom he has chosen. Because those are the ones that he puts his fear in their hearts. This is not speaking of a slavish fear. And it's important to understand that this is speaking of a filial fear. A fear of of a son to his, for his father, a fear of displeasing his father. Did any of you experience that when you were growing up, a fear of your father? I did. I wasn't afraid that he was going to beat me. I wasn't afraid he was going to slap me around. I wasn't afraid that he was going to fail to feed me. I was afraid of displeasing him. And that's the fear that David's speaking of here. Those that fear him, that fear displeasing him. God will grant this great loving kindness toward those that fear him, toward those that desire to please him, toward those that are longing to please him, toward those that are striving to please him because of this filial fear, this fear of a son toward his father in heaven. Filial means that befitting a son or daughter. That's what, that's what he's looking at here. A son or a daughter imbued with God's grace desires to please his father, his father in heaven. More than we ever imagined, of course, wanting to please our parents on earth. But it's that same kind. Not that magnitude, but that same kind. This filial fear is to be our response to God's loving kindness, his hesed. His loving kindness is immeasurable, as high as the heavens are above the earth. It's immeasurable. And the immensity of our sins is likewise immeasurable. The immensity of our sins is immeasurable. The natural man has, if any fear at all, it's only a natural fear, the fear of a slave for a tyrant, that sort of fear. But the spiritual man, the filial, has this filial fear, as 
a child, a fear of displeasing one's father, an immense distinction, an immense difference, a difference brought about by God himself. We didn't put this fear in our hearts. If God hadn't given us new hearts and written his word upon our, uh, those hearts, his law upon those hearts, we wouldn't have any fear for him at all. And man by nature has no sense of the gravity of his sin. No sense of the unmeasurable guilt of his sin against a absolutely, an absolutely holy God. Of pure eyes than to behold evil that cannot look upon iniquity. The scriptures tell us there is no fear of God before their eyes. The natural man, there is no fear of God before their eyes. The heart is deceitful above all things, the scriptures tell us. Imagine if a person could deceive themselves into believing that they were guilty of only one sin. Just one. Yet how great, how heinous in the eyes of a perfectly holy God is that one sin. Just that one sin. That one sin would disallow him entrance at the gate of heaven. That one sin would keep him out forever. And that one sin would require Jesus Christ to be hanged upon the cross. To die for that one sin. But you know as well as I that there's no one who's committed only one sin. It's the deception of fools to imagine, well, I've never done anything that bad. I've never done anything that terrible. I've never done anything to deserve hell. You have. Your one sin, if it, if it really was just one, is immeasurable before a perfectly holy God. Consider the reality that we have all committed a virtual mountain of sins. Not just one, but a mountain of sins as high as the heavens. Your sins, my sins, are as high as the heavens above the earth. Praise God. That's what David is doing. Praise God that his blessed loving kindness is higher than the heavens. Higher than the heavens, David is saying. His chesed, his loving kindness is immeasurable and inexhaustible. Think of Isaiah 53 again. Think of Isaiah 53 just a, a brief mention of what Christ, it was prophesied of Christ that he would have to, have to suffer. That God laid our iniquities upon him. Mountains and mountains of sin upon him. And then you'll get just a glimpse of how high above the earth is his God's immeasurable, inexhaustible, glorious and grand Loving kindness, his chesed toward those that fear him. He was cut off out of the land of the living, Jesus was, Isaiah tells us. It pleased Jehovah to bruise him. He poured out his soul unto death for all those given him by the Father. His, his life was taken away as satisfaction for the mountains of our sins and guilt. But praise God that his loving kindness is higher 
and the heavens are above the earth and we are forgiven by his marvelous grace through his wonderful loving kindness to his people. Should we not strive to love him? Should we not strive more and more day by day, week by week, month by month to love him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for his great and, and enduring loving kindness for his people? Oh, what may we do? What may we do? He has showed the old man what is good. And what Jehovah doth require of thee to do justly, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. May God help us to respond in, in that manner. Let us pray. Our Father, help us. Help us to grasp thy loving kindness more today than we did yesterday. To rejoice in it with the psalmist. To rejoice in it with David as we enjoy the sure mercies of David with him. Oh Lord our God, help us quicken our hearts and flame them with love toward thee, triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You'd stand for the benediction. It's taken from the last words of John in his gospel. John 21, 24, and 25. This is the disciple that beareth witness of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his witness is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose, that even the world itself would not contain the books that should be written. Amen.